there we go, Robonick. This should be it. All set and ready to go. Let's turn you on and see if everything works. <sighs> oh, hello, human ja 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 ja. Oh, come on! If only I had a crystalline power core, I could get Robo Nick up and running again. And crap! Let's cover you up, buddy. Oh, hey, John. Ready to record the podcast? Yeah, one second, Nick. Just getting my notes ready. Uh, what? What's with the weird me-shaped body pillow in the corner of the room? Oh, uh, that? Uh, that's my... John, John, John. <clears throat> my, uh... Look, Nick. It gets lonely trapped in the void. Oh, I, I, I assumed you dealt with that in the bathroom, but okay. Shall we begin? Well, we shall. Hello, and welcome to Literate Pixel Podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm with John. Hi! Hi, Nick. Hello. And today, we are going to be discussing The Malifest Request, written by Steve Moretzky, under the nom de plume S. Eric Moretzky, which, honestly, the laziest nom de plume ever, sir. We know it's you. We know it's you. We know it's you, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve. Look at me, Steve. Look at me, Steve. Listen. We know it's you. We know. We're not ignorant. But before we do that, uh, John, I'm really happy to say that we have some new sponsors this week. <gasps> do tell Nick who is our sponsor this week. Yeah, so if you recall a few, like what, six or so episodes ago? I don't even remember. A long time ago. A long ago. time ago. Uh, after we did uh, our shilling for Lord Dimwit Flathead, may he forever rest in peace. Beautiful man. Yeah, we were approached by the Gru, and everyone thought they killed us. But no, they had a business proposal. <gasps> Do tell us more, yeah, Nick. Would you, would you like to hear the ad copy? I would love to. This week's sponsor is the Gru Tech Second Hand Lighting Emporium. Do you want compact fluorescent lighting but don't mind leaking mercury vapor? Gru Tech has the most insane prices. Do you want 100 incandescent bulbs and don't mind changing them out every other day? Gru Tech has you covered. Don't be eaten by high electricity prices. Get eaten by a Gru. Gru Tech. <laughs> Beautiful. Man, I want to say a major thank you to the folks at Gru Tech. Yeah. Look, you saved our lives. Indeed. With this ad copy. Yeah, and they only sort of slathered. Oh, it was a minor slathering, but you know what? I kind of liked it. it yeah. I, I can see you slavered all over the me-shaped body pillow. Uh <laughs> So I did. I'm sorry. Yeah. So as I was saying my before, shame. my I, shame, Nick. Yeah, you should feel shamed. So as I was saying before, we are reviewing 
Zork the Malifestra Quest, which is the second in a series of What Do I Do Now adventure books published by Tor, uh, this time in 1983. And it is based off of the Infocom classic Zork 1 through, I mean, theoretically, this should be based off of Zork 2, but we'll we'll get into that. So, yeah. uh, John. Yes, Nick. Uh, what are your thoughts here? How, how do you feel well, about Zork's, uh, Zork 2 book, Malifestra Quest words? <laughs> How do you feel about it? I, I didn't like it, Nick. You didn't like Look, it? I enjoyed I enjoyed the first book, The Forces of Krill. Okay. I, I enjoyed it because that, that book in particular had two major adventure branching paths that converged into one at the end for a big finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't have that. There's no agency. It's a single linear plot line with little branching deaths mm-hmm. and very little adventure adventure there wasn't any anything that made it replayability was non-existent at this point if it were a tree it would be a very sad <laughs> stick in the ground yeah it's literally the the charlie brown christmas tree it's you know wilting sad and the branches are dead ends they don't do anything of any worth um i i thought it was i thought it was kind of dull i didn't enjoy uh the events that actually happen, it seemed to move at such a breakneck pace that you never felt uh, that it was an, an epic journey. They were going a long distance and they did so in a day. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's sort of people give uh, Lauder, you know, Lord of the Rings, a hard time for its plotting sort of the length of time it takes you to get to places. But if you're on an epic adventure, you don't just wake up one day in a camp and then you're in the middle of a battle. Like, that's not how... Did, did you just call it Lauder? Lauder, yeah. N- who calls it Lauder? I don't... I have one exam- uh, <laughs> exemplum, John, uh, and that is at least me. At least you. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Now, people abbreviate it to L-O-T-R, yeah. but they do that only in text. No person says lotter. I'm, you say lol. I, like, I do say lol. I, I, Nick. Nick. I also say raffle. Raffle. Lamau. Raffle mau. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Nick. Okay. You know what? You can say lotter. That's fine. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, Nick. Uh, I very much enjoyed the things that I did enjoy. I, I think that the art is fantastic in this. In mm. comparison to the first book, The Forces of Krill was a weird, uneven mess of art. Some looked interesting and, and decent, but for the most part, its artwork was really, really bad. Yeah. But here, on so many instances, I have a lot of examples of artwork an illustration that evokes emotion. Mm-hmm. You have these situations where you have these, you know, characters and monsters and they all look very threatening and, and ooh, spooky, but they're, they're really incredibly well illustrated. There's these pictures of a, of a mountain scape scene where the mountains are etched in skulls, these giant, you know, skulls. And it really does evoke a really awesome emotional experience. I will absolutely post, we'll post these, some of these illustrations, I think, on the gram, on Instagram.com slash literate pixel podcast mm-hmm. uh, as examples, because I really do feel like that is the major draw. Like I had this book as a kid, Nick. Um, this was the the one in the series that I had. And I remember looking at it over and over and over again and never really caring about reading it or playing by the rules. I just looked at the the pictures and the illustrations, and even as an adult now, looking back at this, 
it they're really good. <laughs> I really enjoy them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, uh, like the the other thing that I enjoy, I guess, is that the the book presents you with information that you have to remember mm-hmm. uh, later on. But there's a problem with this: is that we're in a, a situation where if you don't remember it, you go to the fail state, and then just go back to the to the previous choice and make the second choice the correct choice at that point and it completely negates the need to remember those things and it it doesn't make it as fun or interesting there are also awkward moments where if you didn't do the thing that would have guided you towards that choice they still in the text reference that that action so it'll be like oh this guy said this thing haha i remember and you're like but i didn't I never talked to that guy. Who was that guy? I just happened to make the right call, you know, but like my character seems to have knowledge that I, as the reader do not have because I, I chose a different path, which is weird. Well, I, I mean, and I think you'll agree with me that like when we both had read this, of course we have taken the same path because there is no deviation. And I think that that's, it's also mostly pretty clear what you're meant to do. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is not a good thing. I would say no. that that's no. not what you want because in the, in the first book we were given lots of different choices that we like that you didn't know which is the right and which is the wrong. There's no clear right or wrong. There were some that were very clear mm-hmm. and others weren't. And those typically led to a different adventure and yeah. uh, a different path. I would say there you had primarily two, you had two major ones, but there were some deviations that were longer paths that led to death, mm-hmm. but they were, they were longer and a little interesting at least. And even uh, in this book, there is one long fail state path and only one. And it's not interesting. It's just a, no, oh, it's not. Oh, it, was, it was bad. I did not like this. I felt bad because I really enjoyed forces of Krill and this is my childhood book one. And it, it was not enjoyable. I feel like it was poor. Um, feel bad steve I, I love you steve but it was poorly written yeah which you you read this before i did and when you were talking about it i was actually really surprised because you <laughs> i we like we talked about this book we talked yeah. about this book and you were so excited for this book mm-hmm. like when we talked about reading the series you were like i oh boy book two book two is gonna be it and then you're like this really disappointed me i will say i think i have it's very meh. It's like, it's just, it's not exciting. I will say, I, I agree with you that the art direction is clearer and it's more focused, um, which is nice. Like the, the art is very good. Um, it also doesn't have any, so this is the second book in the series. So you and I broadly assumed that there would be more references to the second game. Yes. Um, and there's not a ton. There are a few and they're often very oblique. Like it's sort of a reference, but like it's really straining the definition of reference. (laughs) Yeah. Nick, it's, it's like the, there's one, one major reference to the second game Mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. And I think even that one, you could probably argue. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get to it in the spoiler zone. What what exactly you're referring to, but, um, Yeah, I I feel the one thing that I like 
um, is that so because the reader isn't really given much agency, uh, we don't run into the problem that we had when we were reading book one, which is that we have because the Zork games are I mean, we sort of culturally assume that the person, the agent is male, but the character is decidedly not gendered, I think, until Zork 3, where it becomes a little clearer that you're a male character. But in Zork 1 and Zork 2, um, it that's not obvious that you're male. So in uh, the books, they, they do that by having two characters that you are sort of making decisions for. Uh, and in Zork 1, uh, in not Zork 1, in uh, The Forces of Krill, the first book in the series, we, we both felt that Jorunda was sort of being given very passive choices or uh, choices that were just obviously clearly bad. And we were like, this sucks that uh, we have representation, which is nice, but it's not good representation. Yeah. Here, Jorunda doesn't make a ton of bad decisions because uh, weirdly, it often when you make a choice, it just doesn't tell you who says things or why. It's just like, oh, let's go that way. And it doesn't attribute it to either person. Yeah. It so which maybe is a correction, I don't know. Um Jurunda does tend to do the less violent things, which in this case ends up to be ends up being the wiser of the choices. Um, which gets into our conversation we were talking about the initial Zork book, which making a good representation also doesn't necessarily mean making a woman a man. You know what I mean? Like uh, having more masculine women doesn't necessarily mean good representation. Um, now, having people along the gender spectrum is ideal. Having people who are doing things that are stereotypically masculine versus stereotypically feminine, who embody, whose physical attributes are, you know, one or the other. That's that's good. Um, but here, she's not like... Her representation isn't, you know, she's a lady with a sword. Yeah, yeah. They they don't they don't make her just be like, oh, the, uh, she has more agency uh, because she's doing male things. Yeah, specifically violent things. Like when we're saying male, we mean violence. <laughs> like we're not saying, you know, she's really good at science or math or anything like that. We're saying which are uh, in our culture we often we often ascribe that to male people incorrectly but specifically that she doesn't elect to do the violent choices um and in this book that is clearly the better uh, and the wiser of the two choices so i appreciate also also nick the elves are not uh represented as your stereotypical elves (laughs) they're little they're frumpy and they're dumb yes they're very dumb all of the magical beings in this are pretty dumb, except for, like, wizards. <laughs> but, like, any any non-human species is an idiot in this story. Um, so that I liked. I liked that Jorunda, um, we don't just give her a sword and make her a Bivitar, you know, butt woman. Uh, we get better representation of uh, Jorunda in this book than we did in the first one. I still think it isn't sufficient. Um, I think the best representation we've had of a woman so far has been Lydia in Bard's Tale. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lydia in Bard's Tale. Or even you could argue um, Laura Croft in Amulet of Power, but like that book is pretty garbage. Oh, 
no. So I don't want to give it um, any positive feedback. But I mean, you have to you have to admit that Laura Laura Croft in that book is not. She's not the worst. Like Nick, all she cared about was going to restaurants and eating food. Because that's all. <laughs> that's all Mike Resnick cared about. It's all Mike Resnick cared about. All right, so which is really ridiculous. I think we have now exhausted all of the things we can discuss. Yeah, this is going to be a short podcast because I'm not going to lie. This is a ooh. Ooh, this was not. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, no. it was a short book, and it's a short book with not a lot of good to talk about. So I finished it in I finished it like a hundred percent in fifteen minutes. I saw all of the options and all the choices in fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, it took me a little longer because I like to write them as I go, but <laughs> I, I managed in like forty five. Yeah, yeah, it's a little reader, Nick. Jesus. I, I I am. That's All fine. right, well, Nick, are you ready to get into the spoiler zone then? Uh, I suppose I am. Let me adjust. Hold on, Nick. Nick, mm-hmm. this time. All right. Mm-hmm. I want you to place your hand on the U-sized body pillow. Let's do this together, okay, buddy? I gonna, oh, but it's pull. sticky. It's it's very sticky. It's sticky but from the slavering, me. John. Let's try to get into the spoilers. Spoiler. Oh, that was very nice. That was a very central moment. Thank you, Nick, for for humoring me. Why was there... Why did the body pillow get erect? It's not important, Nick. Um... All right, Nick. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah. So let's do a quick overview because we didn't even really talk about what the plot of this book is. Yeah. So the <laughs> the plot of the book is pretty simple. The you have neglected the land of Zork, even though I don't think you actually can. I don't. Yeah. I, I we were talking about this earlier. I don't know how the Ring of Zork works in this thing, but you have a dream, and Saivar is hanging over a pit of snakes, and he's like, "Hey, y'all, come back," and y'all are like, "Yeah." Sure. No, he's saying, Bivitar, Jerunda, help me. The evil Malifestro Wait, has kidnapped me. You're, you're saying in the text it doesn't literally say, hey, y'all, come help me? No. <laughs> Bivitar, Bivitar, Jerunda, help me. Help the me. evil Malifestro has imprisoned me and is going to kill me. Take the underground path. you. I need you to take the ring of Zork, come back mm-hmm. and save me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the overall the story is you go and you save Saivar, who you don't yeah. know is actually already dead. Like he's dead. Well, by when the time there. you get there, yeah, yeah, he he's, dies. he's he's dead. He's died. Um, yeah. So he gives you two important bits of information uh, that yes. you need to take the underground passage to get to uh, the black crystal sphere. Um, yes. Yeah. So that is one of the things that you have to remember in order to successfully navigate the game. Yes. Otherwise, you end up in a fail state, which we'll discuss in a moment. Yeah. But a fail state where you have to go back a page and pick the other choice. Yeah. I actually found it funny, and I guess this was wise, but I was anticipating that when we had the sort of call to arms, that we would be given the same choice we were given with the Sword of Zork. Oh, to not take it? Yeah, to not take it. And I, I think it's probably for the best that that didn't happen. 
Um, because I think that would be a little trite. And also the reason I was sort of dreading that when I saw this call to ring is that in the original uh, Forces of Krill, Jorunda's the one who's like, no, I see that there's fun in the bushes and I don't think we should interact with that fun. Bill, don't have fun. And I, don't have fun, Bill. Yeah, uh, we're not using their real world names. <laughs> no, Bill and Bivitar June. and Jorunda. They're Bivitar and Jorunda. I mean, that's what they call themselves in Zork, which I also find very weird because in the original book, they don't really like they find it weird that folks are calling them that. But like all yeah. of, now they're like, yeah, they're like it's yeah, their D and D character. It. It's their destiny. They've embraced it now. Yeah. So anyway, um, they take the ring. They go back to Zork, and they're in front of the castle of Zork. Uh, they see a couple elves running away, and you're given an option uh, to either chase those elves, to leave the castle, or to enter a foreboding door. Uh, if you leave the castle and you go into the countryside to investigate, you are punished by um, being brutally murdered by a raiding party. Yeah. So what happens? You no. Know, what happens, Nick, is you you go to a cottage, and there's this elderly couple. And they explain to you what has been happening. It, it's kind of like them uh, the the cottage previously in the first book. They give you the exposition of what's happening in the world. I actually did not see that parallel. That that is that's an interesting. So yeah, no, you're right. That's exactly like in the first book where you have the the cottage with the old man, who then gives you the choice of staying. Staying. Yeah. Here it's an instant death situation. They they talk to you about Malefestro and how he has taken Saivar and how the the um the armies of Zork have failed in attempting to overtake him and that the world's dangerous. You shouldn't go and try to save Saivar. You should just leave and run. And in their attempt to do so, Bivitar gets enlisted into an army to fight Malefestro mm-hmm. and the day when he is attempting where he's going to be sent off to war uh, that night uh, raiders and, and vagabonds come by and burn the village down and brutally murder everybody, brutally murder everybody. Yeah. It, the thing that I, I think is a theme of our sort of opinion about the deaths in this is that they're slightly less fun than Zork, the first book, uh, the forces yeah. of Krill. They are, I mean, they're funnier in the sense that, like, it's fudged. Like, it it's is jarring, horrifying. Like, you're reading it, and you're like, oh. Like, there were bad deaths in the Forces of Krill. Like, yes. gruesome things happening to children. Yeah, them, them, them drowning and their bodies coming up to shore where the hermit sees their bodies, and he doesn't know how they died because they are so torn apart. Yeah. Yeah. But in that the sort of thing. first book, there aren't many instances where someone just sort of cavalierly murders children. Like that yeah. that's not a thing that happens. That ha- that's most of the, the of the deaths in this book. All of the deaths, Nick. I don't think there's a single situation where it is not involved like where it doesn't involve somebody accidentally or on purpose like causing physical harm with steel. Yeah. Or because e- even here, Nick, in this situation, like if you take the other fail state choice of going into the forbidden room, oh god, they stum- yeah, they stumble upon a troll that's guarding a treasure, and he's like, "You're not supposed to be here." The smartest you of guys- all trolls. Yeah, you need to go, and he touches Bivitar and instantly breaks his arm. But not just like, oh, he broke his arm. It's like 
it snapped in a million places. Yeah. Also, he uh, he taps Jorunda on the head and like gives her a concussion. Yeah. And so, like, Vivitar is, like, screaming in pain. And in their attempt to, like, leave, the troll is, you know, pushing them out. And he goes to, like, poke them gently with the sword to kind of encourage them to, to get out. And it just impales them and splits them in two. Yeah. And he, I think he literally says, oops. He says, oops. Like, oops, because he's a dumb troll. Yeah. Like, that, we are starting off with a bang. We're starting a, like you, you, you read it and you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, event, what you're really supposed to do is, of course, chase down the elves, which happen to be named Max and Fred. <laughs> um, the elves, you know, Bivitar, Jarunda. You have, yeah, you have Bivitar, Jarunda, Max, Fred. Fred. Yeah. It's like, why? Why? <laughs> okay. So they also offer the ex, um, exposition that you would have gotten by talking to the elderly couple. Mm-hmm. They, again, talk about how it's really dangerous. You shouldn't go. You should stay here. You have a choice of staying here. Nick, you know how you talked about, you know, uh, Jarunda and uh, Vivitar having the choice of taking the Sword of Zork in the first book. Mm-hmm. This is that choice. You know, do you stay? Uh, they do that all the time. That, yeah, they, again, that was also the that case happens with the, a number of times in this book. A number of times. Do you stay or do you go? And of course, you're going to choose to go. Do you stay or do you go now? Do you stay or do you go now? Um, and you of course decide to go because if you stay, you die. You uh, Malifestro is like, ha ha. Yeah, he yeah. he comes up with his forces and and decimates you. Yeah. Uh, so you have to get prepared for this journey. Something that you're, you're forgetting here, though, is that Max and Fred are very afraid of Malifestro eating them. Yes. For whatever for reason, reason. Malifestro... Well, but he does, like, in one of the fail states, he does eat them. He does eat them. <laughs> it's like, he is like, these sentient creatures, I shall consume them. And he, <laughs> Which is just weird. Like, why do you want to eat these little frumpy guys? Yeah, these. I can't envision they taste good. No, they do not. They look very filthy. Yeah. So you have to prepare for this journey, right? Mm. And so you you have a choice of two items to take with you. A trunk full of weapons or a bag of magic potions. Yes. Something that I did like uh, here is that you have a similar thing that happened in the Forces of Krill, where if you take the successful route, there are things that you encounter that seem pretty banal, um, that if you failed, all of a sudden have a, a different sort of feeling to them. So here, you're getting the chest of weapons and the bag of magic potions, but this is after Max and Fred trick the stupid troll to you know, relieve him of his duty, and then you oh, get yeah. those things. They so, go into the forbidden room. Yeah. They tell the troll, hey, you know, your replacement's coming. And he's like, all right, and then leaves. Yeah. And then they get the, the, the stuff they need. Yeah, so you're, you're given this choice of a chest of weapons or a bag of magic potions. And Bivitar being the, you know, being a dude who's ever watched a fantasy movie or read a fantasy book is like, I want the weapons. Yeah, Jarunda tells him, of course, she says, look. Saivar's men had weapons, and look where it got them. Mm-hmm. We should take the magic potions. Yeah, all of these people have like martial training that yeah. we do not have. Weirdly, we, are we aren't imbued with this magically. We're just given rando names and really nothing else. 
Yeah, like the chest of weapons is heavy. The bag of potions isn't heavy. Like we can't carry those weapons with us. We should take the potions. Uh, if you take the weapons, this is the long fail state. Uh, you you take the weapons and you go out. Max and Fred decide not to go with you right at this point, right? They're, or no, at this point they have decided that they're going to go with you because either way they will die. It's very, they have a very fatalistic assumption of what's going to go on. They're like, so if we're going to die, we might as well have a little fun while we go out. Yeah. So along the road, you come across bandits. And if you decide to fight them, you die. Mm-hmm. Which so I think you can do? only choose to fight them if you took the weapons. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, so you have, a, you have a choice of trying to hide or, or fight. Or fight. If, so if you chose um, the weapons, you if you hide, you live. You go up in a tree and you yeah. don't die. If you fight, and Max Vivitar and Fred leave. At that point, yeah, they, they are like, we don't like, we're allergic to bandits. Ah, mm-hmm. and they run away. You don't see them again. Uh, and you, yeah, if you decide to fight, you get killed. If you and you then have to succeed by hiding in a tree. Uh, and then the next day, you go by this big tree stump. You know, oh, what, what's that about? It's referenced later on the successful path. And then you, you immediately go to the cave, right? You have a choice of going into the cave or visiting this sh- wizard shack or going over the mountains. And uh, if you decide to go in the cave with the weapons, you get eaten by Gruus. Yes, because, uh, because the cave is dark. Zork has a very on-off understanding of light. Because yeah. you start walking <laughs> down this underground passageway, and rather than it being slightly dimly lit, and you're going, huh, this is rough, I can't really see, you just walk in, and it's pitch black, and you're like, what's that sound? Ah! Ah! Which, by the way, the Gru, the Gru would never, I mean, this is just a horrible... Um, also, Nick, this is the only time we actually see a Gru ever in the history of Zork. I think there are, is there not a depiction of Gru in uh, Forces of Gru? No, there is not. They are depicted here. You see them. They are grotesque. They look kind of like aliens. Yeah. uh, With like thin necks and big uh, disc-like protrusions on their heads, Mm -hmm. big long, long heads. It's, they're really gross and big slathering fangs. Um, And they are quite afraid. Yeah. But if you also decide to go over the mountains instead, um, what happens then, Nick? This is this was a I loved this part. You this like I chuckle. found it weird. Um, <laughs> it was strange. So if you get the potions or the weapons, you can go up the mountain path. It is death either way. The the yes. potions do not help you at all. Uh, so if you go over the mountain path, you are trudging for a while. You get tired. You take a bit of a nap. You, you get up again, you keep going, and then eventually there's this creature called a snurth, which is this ten-headed... Seven-headed, Nick, please. It was it seven-headed seven snow monster of snurth. Okay, get it right here. I, I didn't remember. Uh, and it says, by the way, th- this is really funny, all right? It sure is cold, says Jerunda. It sure is cold, says Bivitar. <laughs> says the seven-headed snow monster of snurth, lumbering up behind them. Pardon me, yes, Jerunda? I didn't say anything. The leftmost head of the snow monster of Snurth takes a nibble off of Jorinda's shoulder, while its third to rightmost head delicately samples Bivitar's ear. I found that <laughs> language so weird. 
I loved it. I, I loved it. When you, because I, I think of nibbling on an ear, and I think, like, Indiana Jones and, uh, oh, God, what's the third one? One's uh, one. Crystal Skulls. No, it is not, sir. I'm sorry. There's only three good Indiana Jones movies, and that is Raiders and of the Lost, Lost Ark, Crusade. Temple of Doom, and Crystal Skulls. I'm going to throw a stone at your face. Uh, so, yeah, it, it reminds me of the female Nazi, the lady Nazi, <laughs> who uh, nibbles on Indiana Jones's ear. So I was thinking of this. Like, I saw the word nibble in ear, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, no. So the seven-headed snow monster of Snurth was getting a little frisky with Bivitar's ear. Yeah, and, like, oh. yeah. and then mercifully the universe decides that this Biv. gross scene must stop, and an You're avalanche so kills all three of them. Oh, Biv. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, yeah. I, this so is yeah, an avalanche happens. They pl- they all plunge to their death. The end. The end. Now, that is the weapon path. Yeah. Right. It, you you die no matter what. Yeah. The but if you take alternative potions, path. it change. It changes. Yeah. It's beautiful, Nick. Tell me what happens when you take the potion. When you take the potion path, uh, there's a whole host of things that happens. When you face the bandits, you have two choices. Both of them are successful. Yeah, it does nothing. It does nothing. I did like the the uh, so you can hide yourself under a, a an invisible cloak, and the yeah. gnomes, the elves, the elves who are very gnomey. Uh, yeah. The elves are allergic to the thieves, so they almost give you away by, you know, sneezing. Sneezing, which I actually I think I would have rather that have been a loss. Yeah, I would have preferred that to be an L, but instead yeah. it was it's just weird. whatever. Uh, and then we have the other option, which is you can cast a spell of friendliness on them, which just makes them rather polite. Yes. Yes. They asked them out for a drink and dinner, and they're like, ah, no, we got, we got adventure stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the uh, way, in the weapons path, you forgot to mention that if you try to fight them, they just <laughs> laugh at him and, like, take their stuff and then brutally murder them. Unarmed. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, kill him. Kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Now that they're helpless, let's just kill him. Yeah. So, so... Uh, the potions, either way, you evade the thieves. You move on. You find the stump where Max and Fred are like, hey, if you eat these cakes. Well, I think it's Max who's like, you should eat the cakes because if we eat the cakes, then it'll teleport us across the mountain. And yeah. that does not work. It only teleports you three feet, which is a little funny. Yeah, and then you are rifling around in the bag, and you find a carpet, uh, a flying carpet. Yes, and you're given from the, the Froboz Magic Flying Carpet Company. Yes, and you're given two choices there. You can either take the flying carpet and cross the mountains, but the elves are hesitant to do that because they're like, "I don't think this will hold all four of us," which in fact it can't. Oh, it's not the elves. It's Jerunda who says this, and oh, the elves it? are like, "Oh no, we're light." Oh, like, right. We don't yeah, weigh right. very much. Um, or you can sleep uh, and stay the night at the at the stump. Do you remember what happens if you sleep? Oh, you get your throat slit. Yeah, with a stiletto. With a stiletto. And it's like a slow mm-hmm. throat slit. They even like mention like, how just slowly mm-hmm. and quietly they do it to each one of them. For and it was just children. The children. Yeah. It, and elves. When we were talking about this off stream... And well, I guess it was on stream, but off pod. I I was like, this is the jarts of children's books. Yeah, this is lots of death, lots of death, lots of violence, just 
questionably appropriate for children. <laughs> yeah, it says, hold on, I'm going to read this. During the night, a lone thief passing by spots the light from their dying fire. He quietly robs them, carefully slits their throats with his stiletto, and then slips silently away into the darkness. It's kind of actually even more jarring, mm-hmm. the fact that it isn't as descriptive. It's just that he quietly robs them, carefully slits their throats with a stiletto, and then slips silently away into the darkness. The weird offhandedness of this is even more a little well, disquieting. He like, also <laughs> did not have to kill them. He didn't have to. He had absolutely no reason to. He stole yeah. successfully from them and then went, eh, you know, it'd be yeah. fun to draw a knife across a kid's throat. Yeah. Who hasn't wanted to do that? Always wanted to. The picture is also very Oh yeah. Troubling. They're all sleeping peacefully and he is just looming over them with his knife and his eye patch. And he's just grinning. He's happy, happy as could be. This book says it's for kids. I'm not convinced that's the case. <laughs> like the language, like the 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 actual literal uh, prose, not yeah. for adults. The content. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. the '90s were the early '80s through like early '90s were a different time when it came to children's <laughs> media. It was a different time. Yeah, but I, I'm like, I, I don't know if I want your kids reading this book, John. No, I, I wouldn't. Not until they're older. Don't you remember that 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 point in time, like in the the Goonies, where all the children were brutally murdered? <laughs> Why? Yeah. So you, they take, in reality, you, t- you take the, the magic carpet for a ride and mm-hmm. the elves are dragging things down and they like fall off. Mm-hmm. The carpet takes them all the way to the entrance of the cave at the base of the mountains. Yeah, where you're given the same three choices. You should same probably, uh, of going over the mountain, which is death, going into yeah. the cave, which this time you can pull out a, uh, a potion that causes light a daylight. Yeah, it's uh, light in a bottle. Which then allows you to live. Uh, you could visit the wizard in his cabin. Uh, the wizard's name is Vengralior. He has a yes. beef with Malifestro because Malifestro got him kicked out of the land of Froboz. I don't know how long ago. It's very unclear yeah. how recent or far away anything is in the story. During the Flathead Empire. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if that's still a thing or not. It's complicated. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, cool. Uh, you can hang out here for an evening. Also, also, uh, I have a prophecy for you. Uh, two prophecies. And these prophecy. prophecies, this is the second instance where you are given information uh, that you are yes. meant to remember, that is necessary to remember in order to not die, uh, without just randomly guessing. So he yes. says to not avoid the one-eyed beast and to uh, go into the land of the dead. Both references to Zork 1. Uh, the one-eyed beast is the Cyclops, which part of me is like, is that a penis? And it's the one-eyed snake? Uh, no. <laughs> it's not the one-eyed snake. <laughs> Don't be afraid of my one-eyed snake, children. <laughs> I'm like, this is... I mean, the book has already crossed so many lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so it's not. It's the Cyclops. And then... Yeah. And, and to to go into Hades, yes, go the into gates Hades. of of the underworld. Both happen in Zork One. Yeah. So, uh, and then at that point, you go back outside and have the choice of going into the cave or going over the mountains. Yeah. You so go you go into the cave. the cave. 
Uh, and once you're in the cave and you survive, you have another choice, which is either you can go randomly down a path mm-hmm. or you can talk to a guy. Yes. And like, that's oh, yes. the dumbest oh, yeah. of choices in the world. Because the guy's like, hi, how's it? Do you guys want a tip? And your option is like, ignore him and go down a random path or talk to him. Yeah. So naturally, I talk to him. If yes. Yes don't talk to him you don't get an item that is very important for later on it's actually immediately it is not very clear why going down a random path was bad uh it it, it becomes clear eventually but uh you have prince melancanthus he is a melancholy he is a man taken by melancholy he was married at one point uh, to a princess despondia we don't have to get yeah. into his whole backstory but no we're getting into his whole well, backstory no, nick, it's because fine. i feel like i feel like it's going to come up again nick i think it's incredibly important okay Look. so he's the lord of caldorn the prince of caldorn the oh, his fine. father his father gives him some responsibilities to prove his worth to be a king excuse me i think he's the count of caldorn it's the king of caldorn Count of Caldorn. It doesn't matter. So the son decides the, the that he's going to prove to his dad <laughs> the dookie, Nick. Come on, the dookie. Um, and- I like that. I like that you initially were like, "I'm just going to plow through this," and then you were like, "No, no, we have to." It's he's the Count Duku of Caldorn. <laughs> Excuse so, me. He says to prove to his dad that he is he's you know can make the tough choices. He decides to raise the taxes on all the people astronomically high to be like, I can make the tough choices and, and bring our king you know, to prosperity. And the people didn't like it. So they murdered his father and they exiled him into this cave where he now sells magic shoes. Mm-hmm. But Nick, we've heard about the magical shoes of Kaldor before. Indeed. Uh, we heard about it in forces of Krill where it is, they refer- They ask you at some point if you got the magical shoes of Kaldorn, and if you say yes, you are punished by the god of cheating for like a quadrillion years or something like that. It, yeah. It's like a really funny fail state because if you're like, yeah, no, I got it, and then you skip to the end, it's like, you're a horrible person. How dare you? Yeah, you cheated. You are a cheater. Yeah. You suck. And I, I found it funny that this that they reference that and that that is actually a thing you need now. You actually need these shoes. Yes, the magical shoes of Kaldor. Yeah, which if you didn't get them, you might be really confused as to why there are magical shoes again. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he says also, his tip is, take these shoes, but any path that you take is going to lead to the same place. Don't worry about it. Which is true of this uh, book. Uh, and so they take the shoes, and eventually, as they're wa- waltzing about, they find a magic wizard escape potion, which allows you to escape from any wizard. It, th- this isn't involved. This doesn't involve any choices. It just happens, and yeah. you keep walking along. And eventually, you are given two choices. You can uh, take one passage, which leads you towards imminent death by hobgoblin stew, or yes. you can face the cyclops. When you face the cyclops. I'm actually really sad that you don't do the thing, like, the real win. Uh, William H. Cyclops, please. His name is William H. Cyclops. Yeah, that's on his door. That's how you know he's there. Um, I'm I'm really sad that you don't get to do, like, the the actual victory. You say Odysseus here, and he's like, Odysseus is coming? 
And they're like, yeah, he's yes. just outside of the door. And he's like, <gasps> and then he forms a Cyclops-sized hole that he runs away. I'm like, that's... Yeah, he runs away. That happens in Zork 1. That does happen See, in Zork 1. What's interesting is that at this... So so far, there have been zero references to uh, Zork games uh, or any weird parallels. Yeah. I mean, you have and this trolls, the- but like not really how you conceptualize trolls in the Zork universe. Yeah. But like in this instance is the first time that it's a very direct correlation because if yeah. you say Odysseus in the first Zork game, he makes a uh Cyclops size hole in his wall like that yeah. you can go through. Uh but so he leaves and then you uh descend uh into the gates of Hades. Yes. You you're you're faced with that or you can go down can, a perpetual set of stairs. A perpetual set of stairs within which your light goes out and you die. Yep. So you go you go into the land of the dead as you're told by Varaglor. Yes, Varkorblinglads. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and then uh you are in a situation where you're following a passage and you're starting to get to the end of the mm-hmm. cavern. And the end of but, the book. And the end of the book. We're getting real close. And you have to make the decision of, did you get the sneakers or did you not get the sneakers? Yes. And if you weren't a cheater, yeah, it doesn't matter this time. Uh, so if you did get the sneakers, you don't get consumed by a giant, very cute toad. Uh, very cute toad. If you, did, uh, if you didn't get the sneakers, then you do get consumed by said toad. Yes. Yeah. So and then what? What's that happens? You leave. Mm-hmm. You get reunited with Max and Fred. Yeah, who have just been traipsing over the mountains. That if you had done it, you would have been murdered by an yes. avalanche and a snurth. So that seven-headed uh, snurth. Oh yeah, he's well. He's from snurth, but I I prefer to think of him as the snurth. I think that snurth cuter. Yes. I'm a snurth. I want to nibble your ear, Nick. <laughs> Wait, why did the the body pillow get an erection again uh, it's not important nick so you get reunited with max and fred and you guys are now at the steps of the castle and they mm. decide to climb the the castle uh to like a, one of the the parapets yeah and they get into one of the towers which happens to be where the the dark crystal orb is mm-hmm Within which, by touching it, summons a demon. Indeed. This is the parallel from uh, Zork 2. This is the big one. No, there's technically two. What's the other one? Uh, You face it here. You face it here. It's the gnome. Oh, that's right. That's right. The other one. That's true. Okay. And so the, uh, the demon says, hey. I'll grant you a wish if you give me that magical wizard escape potion. Mm-hmm. And you're given a huge series of choices. Well, no. So uh, before you're given those choices, you have that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you do elect you, do to take use, the deal. Yeah. Yeah. If you elect to use the magic potion to escape, then uh, a very litigious gnome pops up, which we both believe is an analog to the banker gnome. In Zork yeah, 2. from Zork two, yeah, yeah, but of course you you and then the the red tape of all the paperwork it takes too long. Malifestro comes in, kills you. 
Yes. This oddly does not apply to the demon. No. Apparently it's different rules. So you take the deal and you have a series of choices. Mm -hmm. One, you have him kill Malifestro, which he does not succeed in doing, and you get killed by Malifestro. Yeah, he does try. Yeah, he, he tries to, but he can't do it. Uh, in Zork 2, that's what you have. One of the choices. Well, I mean, you have really him. two choices It's uh, that are successful. It's kill him or take his wand, and then yeah. you kill him. But either way, the Wizard of Frobaz is going down. Exactly. But so there's that one choice. Uh, the other one is save us from the wizard, and it teleports you back to the castle where eventually Malifestro comes and kills you all. Yep. So he didn't really, uh, I mean, he temporarily saved you, I guess. Yeah. Ask for riches and treasure, which Max and Fred are very excited about. No, they're the ones who ask. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah, they they interject. They ask for it, and then the demon's like, okay, cool. And Bivitar and Jorunda are like, what the fudge are you doing? What are we going to do with gold? And they're like, I mean, gold's always good. Yeah, so he he dumps the treasury of Malifestro at your feet. You can't even carry it. And Malifestro walks in and says, I was wondering what happened to my treasure. Mm-hmm. You're dead. Then the other one is, uh, another option is, ask him to do something else not listed, within which, before you can even think of an answer, Malifestro comes and in, uh, imprisons you in the same dark crystals as the demon. But the other one, the true answer... And the very obvious one. Very obvious one. Resurrect Sayavar. Sayavar was killed. Uh, the demon does tell you this. He says, Sayavar died uh, before you could even get here. Uh, all is for naught, but maybe I could bring him back. You choose to do so. He has an epic wizard battle with Malifestro and succeeds. Mm-hmm. Hooray! And uh, you say goodbye to your friends, Max and Fred, and you decide to go back home. Where you have breakfast. Yes, because Jorunda had been complaining the whole book that she didn't have breakfast. Which is also funny because she technically doesn't get... We, I mean, we assume she gets breakfast. But only Bill, Bivitar, uh, <laughs> very clearly is getting breakfast from his parent. Where June has to run away um, out of yes. his room. <laughs> so, And that's the book. That's it. That's There's the end. A, it seems so short compared to the first book. There was no branching paths. I, uh, Nick, on a scale of, of, uh, Rogue's Hour to 10. Rogue's Hour to 10. What would you rate this book? Uh, it's like a four. Like a, no, it's like a, yeah, it's like a four. It's like, I was going to, it's a four. I was going to give it a three, Nick. Uh, I I tend to be kinder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm normally like, we're, we're around each other, but I'm typically a point higher. Was it interesting because I'm the optimist typically? Yeah, but I didn't like it. Uh, it was just kind of dull compared to to Forces of Krill. Forces of Krill had more interesting encounters, the branching paths, the two branching paths that converge together, that offer some replayability. This doesn't have any replayability. It's um, and it's also just oddly brutal towards children. Death. It's weird. I don't mind the brutality. Like, there's a part of me that's like, that's just wonderfully absurd. But that's like, that's the only thing that was interesting. Yeah, from that's this. like, if that's the thing you're leaning on, then you don't really have enough to justify your existence. Yeah, and they they also are thrust in the situation where they they take the magic potions and all the magic stuff, mm-hmm. right? 
and they only use the the friendship spell slash cloak of invisibility, mm-hmm. the magic carpet, mm-hmm. and the light in a bottle, and that's it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, there no, are the cakes. Those were, were in the that bag. Were the cakes in there? Yeah, okay, but I mean, like, cake. you don't really use them. They don't really do no. anything. Also, use in a lot of those instances is very that's doing a lot of work because you're not really doing anything. That's why I was, and I, I, I omitted this in my original thoughts that I, I feel like this really lives up to the, what do I do now name rather than choose your own adventure, which I realized that the reason they don't call it that is because that's a separate property. But yes. what I'm getting at is like the, the story it, it's what do I do now? What, yeah. what, what do I do now? Like it's not, they're not meaningful choices. You're not I'm presented grossly. with meaningful choices or puzzles or anything that is that adds depth. But the first book did. Yes. Add depth. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Like, I mean, it's still pretty mild and and, and, yeah. and limited in the choices that you're given, but it is more i and i i feel like in some ways this book has made me like the first book less i don't understand why because it, the first book is better than the second the, book. so the first book is better but this makes me feel even more constrained yeah. in the first one because the first one i mean the first one doesn't really have that many choices yeah but it still has more interesting choices and it still has yeah. those two branching paths early on in the book yeah so that that really offers you and they all converge at the very end yeah right what I, i'm really hoping is that the later books feel less like a stick like this is when we're ca- when we're talking about the branch the tree of adventure gaming this is this is a stick it's a stick in dirt you 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 got little tiny pads off of it that go nowhere but it's there's one stick yeah. With, with Zor, the first one, you had still one stick, but that one stick did like a little bow in the middle. Like there was a little, <laughs> there, yeah. there were two portions of the stick that broke off and then came back together. Again. But I think that, I think that I hope in future, because there's a lot of books that are of this style yeah. in about video games in general there's something based on like super mario and zelda and pokemon and i own one and, of those i i know <laughs> but what's awesome about I, what i hope comes from those things is that there's a lot of of just minor branching and reconvergence mm-hmm. based on items and things that you get or you know decisions that you make just having things move away and come back yeah I uh, I want a lot of that. It doesn't have to be these big wide arcs. I want it to be just little tiny ones. So that way uh there is replayability, mm. but it doesn't deviate so much where it becomes some big fractal, you know, that you can't control. Yeah. Um and this one didn't have any of that because there's only one right path. There is no other optional decisions mm-hmm. you can only make the right decisions that's it yeah john oh yes nick did the lights in the void dim a bit i think a few oh. of our uh our grew you, light bulbs have popped did you did you change the light bulbs yesterday i i did are you sure 
Yeah, I, I think how long are they meant to last? Do you Only have the manual? Twenty-four hours. It's oh. Twenty-four hours, Nick. Crap. A hard twenty-four hours. It, yeah. Well, we're oh. we're gonna have to replace those. Hopefully, we didn't replace them all at the same time because we might be. Yeah. <laughs> in the dark but, uh, moment. Yeah. So I would give that this book a, a three. I just I didn't enjoy it. But uh, Nick. Yeah. Nick, I have something for you. You do. The lights are getting dim, Nick. Not because the lights have burned out, Nick. It's because we're getting a little intimate. Hello. Nick, I have a game for you, my friend. Would mm-hmm. you like to play a game with me? Why? You're literally the jigsaw of this podcast. One day I'm going to wake up and there will be a mechanical bear trap attached to my face. And you'll be like, would you like to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there will be, Nick. Here's the game we are going to play, Nick. Okay. The game is called... I was going to give you the reins, too. I was No, don't even do that yet. No, the game is called Spells in Zorik or You're a Dork. You have an option here, Nick. You're going to be given a spell from mm-hmm. a video game or fantasy world. And you tell me, is this a spell from Zorik or not, within which you then tell me that I'm a dork? It's a question. Yes. Are we limiting ourselves to the original trilogy, or are we including the Enchanter series? We are including the Enchanter series, oh. as well as any future Zork titles that use magic spells. That's unfair. That's not unfair here, Nick. Come on now. <clears throat> and of course, there's you only need to get a 70%. You gotta just get a passing grade here. You gotta get a C, Nick. Hey, hey, last one it was a D. Uh, Give me a D here. Let's make it interesting. No, there's not that many questions, Nick. You only get a 70 here. You can well, get yeah. three wrong out of 10. I mean, I'm going to get more than three wrong. <clears throat> All right, are you ready, Nick? I guess. All right. Question number one. Wait, wait a one. second. What are the stakes? Before I agree to this. No, we'll tell you the stakes <sighs> afterwards, Nick. Fine. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Weep. Is that a spell from Zorik or am I a dork? Fweep. Fweep. It's a spell from Zorik. That is, turns Caster into a bat from the game Sorcerer. Question number two. Flipendo. Flipendo? Flipendo. Spell from Zorik. That's incorrect, Nick. Damn. That's knocks back heavy objects from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the video game. <laughs> really? Yes. So are all of these from video games? All of these are real? Uh, they're all in video games or fantasy or a cross between. Okay. Okay. Razrov. Razrov? Rezrov, not Razrov. Rezrov. Can you use it in a sentence? I cast Rezrov. Can I can I have the etymology, please? <laughs> can I buy a vowel? From the Latin Rezinarius. <laughs> um, which means to cast. Uh, 
it doesn't start with an F. But I'm suspicious that you wouldn't have put it on the list unless it was. It is. It's 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 from Zork. You're not a dork. You're a beautiful boy. It opens locked doors from the Enchanter game. It is a spell in Zork, Nick. Yes. Question number four. Yastard. Yastard? Yastard. You're a dork. Yastard sends a caster through time in Zork Grand Inquisitor. It's a spell in Zork. Yeah, there's literally, I mean, I'm literally flipping a coin here. So I should at best get a 50% statistically speaking. So you've gotten two wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've gotten two wrong and two right. I am doing exactly what you would expect, given that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not using any from Zork 1 through 3. Question number five, mm-hmm. Nick. Rimmit. Rimmit? Rimmit. Uh, the last one wasn't, uh, was a spell from Zork, right? Yastard was a spell in Zork. You're a dork. That is paralysis to all enemies. In Fantasy Star 4, I am a dork, Nick. Okay. Question number six. Mm-hmm. Osmos. Osmos? Osmos. It's got Oz in the name. You're a dork. Let's absorb enemy magic points from Final Fantasy VI. I'm a dork. <clears throat> I, I figured that uh, that's not... If you're going to reference... Oz things like it's going to be Boz it's not going to be Oz it's going to be Froboz Yonk that's from Zork that's an augment the power of certain spells from Sorcerer that is a spell from Zork what how many how many do we have left there are three more questions left. I thought you said there were ten total. Yeah. Oh, God. We've done seven. Okay. okay. All right. Are you ready, Nick? Mm-hmm. The next spell is Kase. Kase? Kase. Who say? Kase. Uh, um, I think she say. Kase. <laughs> uh, spell from Zork. That blocks water effects from the game Xenogears. Nope. I'm a dork, Nick. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number nine. So was that my third? That would be your third. You are at a 70% right now. Okay. Two more questions. If you get one wrong, you face consequences. I still maintain I should have been allowed a 60 because a 60 is still better than what I should get. Which is 50, I asked you 50. 20 questions then, Nick. You could get more wrong. I'm only asking to 10 this time. The spell is Pulver. Why, why did you not choose a single one from the game I played? Pulver. What was the last one? 
Cassay. You were a dork in the last one? Correct. It's from Zork. It causes liquids to be dry from the game Sorcerer. It is a spell in Zork. Okay. The last and final spell is ridiculous. That's unfair. That's unfair. Why? Because I know that that's a spell in a different place. Is it a spell in Zork? But it's also a spell not in Zork. Or am I a dork? If it is not a spell in Zork, then I am a dork. If it is in Zork, then it is in Zork. Is ridiculous in Zork or is it not in Zork? I mean, it's literally a coin flip. It is literally a coin flip. There's nothing I can go off of. What's it gonna be? Nick? It's What's a it's it a fifty be? fifty chance. I don't. What's it gonna be? Is it, I is mean, it I think the or is it not Nick? So I I where I'm coming from here is that the answer to the tro- trolley pop problem is to not participate. I oh. walk away. You walk away. I walk you away. You walk away. You'll face the consequences, Nick. Uh, the gods of the void demand this. You said it's from Zork. It's from Zork. Uh, that transforms Bogger to the silly shapes. That's from Harry Potter, my friend. You That's, are a dork. I knew I knew that. It's not in Zork. Now, I could have picked one that would have been both in Zork and something else, but that was not the case. I, I thought so, that you were playing mind games with me. That was, Nick, that was me playing mind games with you. I still maintain 60% would have been impressive. So let's tally up the the score. I, I got here, six. Nick. I got six out of ten. I'm gonna let's I let leave the hosting duties to me here for this game, Nick. I have the reins still. Let's tally up the scores, judges. How did our contestant here do? Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, our contestant Nick yes. scored six correct. Six correct. Out of ten questions. Out of nine? Out of ten questions. Out of nine? I counted leaving nine. Leaving him with a percentage of 60%, mm-hmm. which means he has to face the consequences. Yeah. I, I, one of these days, I'm just going to randomly present you with a game and intentionally make it so that I know you can't win. <laughs> it has to be related to the content that with, with oh, which I'll we're find talking a way. about. Let's do that, Nick. I'll I will find happily, a way. I will happily accept your your challenge. Oh no, I'm going to make it. The so day you bring the day you bring a quiz, I'll I'll do it. Actively, can't win. Oh, I'll make it impossible for you to win. But Nick, you said the San Diego Padres was not I a real baseball team. I was being stupid this time. I you literally heard me. I knew that it was Harry Potter. I knew it was in mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Yes, I knew you knew this. This is why I put it in there. Because the last question is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So what's my punishment? You, Nick, mm-hmm. will have to take a picture of yourself with a sign that says, and I quote, I am the big doo-doo poo-poo head from episode 10 of the Literate Pixel podcast. 
and post it on the socials. Instagram.com slash literate pixel podcast. It's convenient because I manage that. I know. Nick. For all 17 of our followers and about 20 of our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, Nick. Yes. That is expected. Okay. To be done. In like two to three months. Within 24 hours of the airing of this podcast. Fine. Now, Nick, <laughs> you also owe me something else. I d- what? Do you want more yes. porno? No. I can I can write more wooden no. XRs. No. I know it caused you to slap her. I demand the reins, my friend. Present them. You want the reins? I want the reins, Nick. You can't handle the reins, John. Oh, I can handle the reins, Nick. Give me the reins. I won them fair and square by combat. Well, John. It's my birthright, If you would like the reins, they are hidden somewhere in a tomb. How did you know, Nick? Go find them. Find them I shall. The reins, ladies and gentlemen, are located with... They're in the hands of the lost cult. We are reading <laughs> next podcast episode. I think that was our best handing off the reins that I've ever had. I think that was the best. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, there's never been good. a better or smoother. Absolutely. Not a that single was a good time. bit. Mm-hmm. That was a good bit, Nick. <laughs> sure. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, the lost cult, in celebration of her 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. She was released in the first game was released in October of twenty or nineteen not twenty nineteen ninety six. Why are you putting us into the post apocalyptic future that is just a few years from now? The the post apocalyptic future is now, Nick. I know, but imagine what it's gonna be like a few years from now. Oh boy. I know, right? So we will be reading Laura Croft Tomb Raider, The Lost Cult. Now, mm-hmm. there is a way to actually actively receive a free and legitimate copy of this, which we will post the links to in the description of the podcast, yeah. which you can follow and read along. It is written by E.E. E. Knight. Indeed. We've done some research on this gentleman, and he is... A character. A character. Yeah. This is... We are not... We do not have the same feelings about E.E. E. Knight that we had about Mike Gresnick when we endeavored to read... Amulet of Power. Yeah, we had positive views of Mike Resnick coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought the book was boring. Yeah, and didn't have much to do with Tomb Raider, uh, which had a you know, which is in all honesty the the bulk of whether I will enjoy this book or not is if it has something to do with the video game with, with the source it, material. Yeah, and it and it didn't. We I mean we literally uh, are a podcast about adaptations, so that exactly. makes sense. Yes, absolutely. So we will be reading that uh, in two weeks' time. Also, get ready because it's going to be the month of Tomb Raider. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited! We got a special surprise coming up too with the episode after that. So oh, buckle there. up! Yeah, we we go down the hallucinogenic fever dream oh. of a Canadian artist. Oh, it's going to be interpretation a party. of what the pop culture zeitgeist is. It's interesting. Mm. All right, Nick. 
I think that wraps it up. I think that was a really great podcast. Yeah. Oh, uh, crap. The light. lights going off. Oh, we got to we got to change the lights everybody. Have yeah, a wonderful night everybody. Bye everyone. Oh, hey Steve. Uh, Steve the Slaver and Grew. Hey buddy. Oh, hi Thank Steve. Thank you for coming and bringing us our new shipment of wait. What is that? What? No. What? Uh, ah! <laughs>